Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile. And I am recording this message on my phone. I'm literally on my Mint phone. Why? Because fancy recording studios cost money. And if we spent money on things like that, we couldn't offer you screaming deals. Like if you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of your plans, even unlimited. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. Rockabilly, swing jazz, funk, soul, you name it, this band's got it all. Oi, oi, I'm Robbie, the Face Radio Burgess, and welcome to Chatting Tracks. Let's talk music. Now, let's talk music indeed. Um, just a quick thank you to everyone that's liked and subscribed to the YouTube channel and everyone that's following the podcast. Thank you so much for that. It really means a lot. This little project of ours is really going somewhere, so thank you so much. And if you've not done it and you're a first-time watcher, give it a cheeky like. On today's episode, I'm talking to Bamboozle, a Kent-based band that plays all over the place, including Europe and England. Uh, they play rockabilly, jazz, swing, you name it. They've got so many styles, it's hard to define them down, really. And they're also going to change tack again with their new album. I spoke to the bass pixie herself, Serena Sykes, about the band, forming the band, and her musical history, and the future of Bamboozle. They're fantastic. There's been links in the description to the band, so you can find out where they're playing, and you can get all their albums and the new EPs on there as well. Anyway, hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the next one. Ta-da! Chatting tracks. Let's talk music. Growing up in your house, was it very musical? Was your parents into music? Mm-mm. Well, into, into uh, yes. Um, played no. So my my mum had a really cool vinyl collection, and it was sort of like Elvis. I remember there was Elvis, Kate Bush, Nana Muscuri. It was so random. Nana Muscuri, Neil Sedaka, Hot Chocolate. Oh, what else did I listen to? Um, Johnny Nash. And I had when I was, I think, it must have been six or seven, maybe. I had this bright red hi fi with a record player on top. And I would sit for hours just playing all my favourite songs off all the different tracks. Uh, there was like, oh, Simon and Garfunkel as well. There's one of them. Um, There's such brilliant tracks. I've got this really weird eclectic music tips from my childhood <laughs> on this crazy vinyl player. Um, but I think the, 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 the way it all started was um, when I was five, my mum bought me this tiny little keyboard for Christmas. And she used to, God forbid, watch EastEnders, um, which <laughs> it's like my childhood trauma. <laughs> but I, I used to sit there with the keyboard and at sort of five years old I could I learnt to play the theme tune by ear and my mum being my mum was like oh my god Serena's a genius we need to get him come lesson and so that's where that all started that's amazing it's just interesting that you know music around um, parents and children influences them later on doesn't it it's amazing yeah. how that, that just you soak up so much stuff like my mum was into Earth, Wind and Fire Michael McDonald Shing. Hot Chocolate yeah <laughs> and uh, the average white band and even now I can hear those songs and I just start nodding before I, I even know the lyrics are coming on you know what I mean like you yeah. just it just get, it gets ingrained in you so you started on piano were you trained on piano mm-hmm. yes um, it's a weird story actually so I I was classically trained from sort of like age five and and it's something that I have severely moved away from um it was kind of I think I might have had a sort of bad experience compared to a lot of people but I it also when I did my grade one when I was eight um and I learned to play and I was really good by this point and I took my grade one and I got a distinction but then my sight reading was horrific I like just scraped through so my teacher comes and she puts the music and she was like can Serena can you play this track and I was like can you play it me first? And she was like, no, no, I want you to play it from the, the sheet music. And I was like, 
no, can't do that. <laughs> and I got the biggest <laughs> telling off ever um, for not being able to read music after taking my grade one. So I was kind of taught that you shouldn't listen, you shouldn't create and all this. It was you read what's on the paper and that's what you do. Um, and I sort of did all my grades, got to 14 and just hated it. I was so miserable. I did oboe as well. I was classical oboe um, in the orchestras and all that. And I just went, oh, I'm done now. Finished. That was it. <laughs> like to my parents' absolute dismay. Um, and then didn't go back to it until I started, started singing a bit of theatre um, and then didn't go back to it until I met Jim. Wow. So you did... Um... So I take it this is um, you sort of just leaving school at this point. Was you playing in bands at all? Or you literally just moved away from music completely? No, no, I just moved away. I did um, some solo stuff for a short while, which kind of for me felt a bit like glorified karaoke. Um, and it just wasn't hitting the spot. And that that was kind of it. I, I did um, some musical theatre. That was an avenue I took. Um, and I also auditioned for Pop Idol, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, that video never is going to come to the surface uh, <laughs> it was great and, um, and my mum dressed me and it was just really bad <laughs> um, there is a video somewhere out there um, but yeah so that was kind of all I ever did um, and I'd, I'd written a lot of music which there's still one track that I wrote when I was 19 that I'm desperate to record um, and it's just finding the right situation Maybe one day that'll come out. That's amazing that you've gone back to that sort of stuff when you're 19 and think that's worth doing. Because a lot of people look back and go, oh, no, I wrote that when I was 19. You oh, see what I mean? I that as well. Oh, is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's plenty of that one. And was you, the song you were writing when you were 19 that you wouldn't record, is it very similar to what you're doing now? No, completely different. It's um, it's a song I wrote for my daughter when she was born. Oh. Uh, and it's called My Angel. And it's a piano piece, piano and vocals. Um. And it's very, very ballady, sort of quite nineties ballady, I suppose. Um, yeah, but I'd really love to actually do a proper. I think a, a big orchestral version of it would be really nice. Um, mm. But I don't want to waste it. It's one of those that I'm going to save until we can do it in a proper studio, a proper arrangement, and the uh, you know break away from something a bit different. Yeah, the uh, not sure the if spot- it's done but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter as long as it's a good song. Who cares? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so you went into drama, is that right, for a long while? You were sort of doing acting. Was it singing theatre, that kind of thing? Uh, mostly, yes. I did a little bit of TV. Um, I think I'd always done bits. I remember being, I think, five, doing the Luddites. And um, I was in it for like 30 seconds and I dropped my hat down the toilet, which was <laughs> random. Um, so I always did little bits. Um, but then, yeah, musical theatre was sort of my passion. That was what I always wanted to do. Um, but I just... I didn't have the right personality for it. It was uh, a very cutthroat world and I lost a few parts to some really nasty situations and that's what made me go, it's not for me. This is that person. So um, I walked away from that. And And then I had a child, so. (laughs) And were you still interested in music at this point? Was it still sort of bubbling under the scene when you were doing the musical theatre? It depends what aspect, really. I... I sort of poured my soul into my singing. That was that was a really big thing for me. Um, and you can kind of still hear it today if you listen closely enough. <laughs> um, I've been told quite often that, oh, my, my voice is very musical theatre. And I'm like, I know, I'm trying to go away from it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite work for the rock and really style. But um, yeah, so it, singing's always been there. That's never left. Um, and it wasn't till I found double bass that I found an instrument that I truly loved. 
and wanted to actually perform with um because singing on my own with a band i tried it a few times with the band and also tried and i was that person who just didn't know what to do with the hands when there was instrumentals on and you know and i was just kind of like i need to yeah but i never found anything that worked until the double bass it's like John Lennon. He said he wasn't like he used to play the keyboard sometimes, and he was never comfortable unless he had that piece of guitar wood across his stomach. Mm. Like, yeah, and it's the same yeah. thing. Like as soon as he got, he took the guitar off. He said he was like he didn't know what to do. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is exactly how I feel him. <laughs> so you said the double bass pops into your life. How did that occur? What what was it spurred you to want to learn the double bass? Because it's an unusual instrument for <laughs> people to pick up even now, really. Well, it was it was meeting Jim. So I met Jim. Um, gosh, it'd be about. We were trying to work this out. I think maybe eleven years ago now. Wow. Uh, maybe twelve. And um, we went on holiday to a um, friend of his in Holland, um, mm. and he'd introduced me to the sort of old rockabilly, rock and roll music. So, I'd, you know, I'd listened to some Elvis, but sort of more um, less the Sun Sessions, more sort of that modern Elvis. You know, we're uh, going from sort of the sixties onwards. Um, so I hadn't really had any. Hardly any at all experience in the whole rock and roll, rockabilly, swing era, um, except for a bit of Ella and Frank, kind of, you know, the standards. And I was fascinated by the double bass. So I'd been, when me and Jim met, I'd gone to quite a lot of the gigs. So there was a lot of um, seeing the ketones play with the double bass and other bands in the festivals as well. And I was like, this is a really cool instrument. Never thought of playing it. And then we did this house swap holiday and there was an old double bass in the corner and I was like oh strings this is fun I've never done strings um, so I'm like Jim what do I do how do I where do I you know and we spent the five days we were there with Jim teaching me the bass line to cry me a river by Julie London which is ridiculously hard um for a beginner and it's all the way down the neck and all this kind of stuff with you know no frets and I spent the whole time wanting to throw it out the window especially when I tried to sing with it as well it was just like no no brain's not computing um but by the time i finished i was so addicted um and i went home and i was like i need to sell things because i have to have one and that was it and i was addicted straight away that's amazing what i love about the bass is like double bass in particular is such a physical instrument isn't mm-hmm. it? so like you like in your live shows you climb on it and you can swing yeah. it around and you can yeah. lift it up as well and you know and it's, it's just such a big physical instrument to watch live and, and um I'm just always fascinated with double bass players. Like, why? I think, why don't you just jack it in and get an electric one? <laughs> See, I have an electric one, but um, there's a very funny story, actually, of our upcoming EP. So we've just been absolutely luckiest people in the world. We got to record in Dean Street Studios in Soho with Johnny Solway, who's just recorded, like, James Arthur's new album, and he's done Adele before, and, he's done, and I'm just like, right, okay, woo, big deal. <laughs> um, and also, you know, only playing double bass for eight years, I'm like, so anyway, so we do this um, this new track. We've got this kind of Paramore style track, which Jim wrote, um, called Bleed. And on it, we've got bass guitar. So I'm there in the studio with my bass guitar, messing up <laughs> over and over again and going, oh my God, it's not right. So Jim's going, I need to do it. And I'm like, no, no, you're not, I can't. I've got to do this. Like, with bass player. And I was sitting there in the studio and I've gone, I just want to turn it sideways. I was like, if I could do that. And Johnny looks at me and he was like, turn it sideways. And I was like, could do, couldn't I? And I just wanted to bring so the, tr- the tracks actually recorded me playing the bass guitar like this on my knee. <laughs> so yeah, um, so that'd be the reason I play bass guitar because it's just not quite as easy. Um, as double well, bass. 
you know, you heard it here first when you hear the track when it comes out. <laughs> Me like that in the studio. <laughs> so just popping back slightly there, the key tones that you met Jim, the band Jim was in first, were they a sort of rockabilly 50s band as well? They're, ah, they're quite interesting. So the Keystones were one of the bands, one of the few bands that, that spanned a few genres. So they, they did a few rockabilly songs, um, but they were most known for their vocal harmonies. So they um, they had a three-part harmony and it was one of the things that everybody loved about the Keystones. But they weren't really a doo-wop group and that was the thing. So they had a nice variety of what they did, but um, yeah, their, their harmonies were just stunning and that was sort of something that Jim brought to the fold. He's even now just incredible with harmonies, like absolutely incredible. Um, and it's one of those things that me and Jack's both, both right, we both do harmonies and uh, it'll get to the point where we're like, oh, we've got this song, got some harmonies, Jim, you know, what do you think? And he'll be like, should we try this one instead? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he just kind of upgrades things this little bit. But he's, um, he's amazing. I mean, not only can he shred on the guitar, but he can sing harmonies while he's doing it. He's a, I know, I know. He's the, he's he's the double threat. threat. <laughs> <laughs> he's... We um we actually got a comment the other day uh, about Jim, which was, um, so we've had a rhythm guitar player, rhythm guitarist play with us, and somebody said it is different. Um, so I'm not I'm not entirely sure if I like the change in the sound, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is you know this is cool, love the feedback. I was like, what is it? And he was like, well, he's like Jim's not playing as much, and he said that's what attracted me to your band. That Jim almost plays like he's two guitars all on his own, and now he's not really able to do that. And I was like, oh. That's yeah. No, that was. That, I mean, it says a lot about Jim's skill level on the guitar. He is, he's just one of those that's so and so completely underrated by himself. Yeah, Whereas I'm always saying to him, "Oh my god, you're like one of the best in Europe," and he's like, "No," <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "Yes, yes, Jim." <laughs> yeah, he like, really is. <laughs> he really is. He's incredible. You're right. He's very unassuming as, as a person. Like I've been around guitar players my entire life, and my stepdad's an amazing guitar player. Just like Jim, and you know, when you hear when you hear a really good player, you just hear it, don't you? You just go, "That player's got it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even ten years on, we'll be on stage, and he'll just bring in a little something new, and I'll be like, <laughs> "Just you know, ten years." <laughs> he still manages to surprise me, even now. We play together, you know, almost every day. He's brilliant. So, was it the ketones were naturally winding up and sort of bamboozle got <laughs> together? How did the how did the band form? <laughs> very controversial. Um, Sorry. Hmm. So. I think they they the best way to describe it is I think they had um different goals for their careers. Um I think the other guys in the Keto was quite happy with continuing because they've been around since the 80s. Um and you know they've got a lot of popular songs. Um and they were all, you know, they were very successful so they were, you know, the other guys were really enjoying what they were doing touring, playing the old songs and I think Jim was musically um, wanted a new challenge. I think he needed to do something new, something different, um, and and stretch what he could do because obviously he's such he, he's he's the person who just he will sit. He's got he's, he's talking about going on holiday in February for two weeks, and um, he was like, "Oh, and then he's going." And obviously, take my guitar because I can't not take my guitar. So he'll go on holiday, <laughs> and he will practice for two weeks. That will be Jim's holiday. <laughs> so you know, he's he's that person who, and he just needed. He just needed something new. Yeah. Um, and I think it was to the, it was sad for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who still to this day really miss the ketones. Um, but it was the right decision for him at the time. That's fair enough. And then, so you get Bambles together. How long have you been playing bass at this point? Mm, two years, I think. Two years. 
So you're still relatively a new player joining yeah. a band yeah, <laughs> with a guy that's been just come off a band that's quite successful. Right. Was there ever a sort of thought where you thought maybe I shouldn't play bass and get someone else in because... Tired of ads interrupting your favourite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free lifestyle to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. I've only been doing it for two years. Would you ever, or would you straight out of the gate go, no, I can do this, it's fine? Um, Jim was my confidence when it came to that. Um, I never doubted it because it was, you know, it was, we came to a, a crossroads. We were doing Swing Noir, which was our little jazz duo that I know you, you've seen. Um, and I was in university, about to go into my third year for psychology, and Jim was, um, we'd been doing all this kind of stuff and it was going really well. And um, Jim was with two bands, who was Ketones and Hollow Blue. Um, and we talked and he'd said that he really wants to do something new. And we got to the point where it was like, well, now's the time we need to decide if we do this. And so I said to him, I said, right, if you do, if you could do one thing, what would it be? And then he was like, actually, it actually started out with, we wanted to do a Western swing band. So that's kind of what he was interested in at the time um it's obviously evolved hugely since then but um and I was like should we do it then and he sort of you know he gave me the confidence so yeah this would be great and we'd done some jam nights and things like that um with the slap bass and I'm just I think I learned very well in stage school and performing that I'm good at faking it. <laughs> if you just pull the right faces, nobody listens too hard. And then um, Jim's good enough to drag me along with him. So that's that was um, <laughs> how we got away with it for the first few years. <laughs> that's amazing. So the first album um, you got together, that was, uh, what was the first album called? Um, we've only done one album so far. We've done an EP and an album. Okay. So the first album, which was 2020, I think, um, was Retrograde. And you was it right you wrote eight songs on there? I have no idea, actually. <laughs> um, there's between us, there might be. Um, what have we got? We've got Toxic Now, My Daddy's Girl, Rocky Man, Ice Cold Beer, Just Like You. So that's three, four. Uh, if I'm right, you wrote eight, eight and eight, you did eight, two covers. If that's yeah, right. so I think between me and Jim, there was eight originals um, and then two covers. So writing those songs, were they songs from sort of backlog songs or were you writing them fresh to do the album with them? pretty much fresh so we'd been we'd been sort of writing them over time and um, one of the songs ice cold beer was one that we we recorded for our first ep and actually we've recorded it again for our next ep and um, there's a reason behind it there's a story behind it but um yeah so most of, they were just kind of a work in progress and a couple of them were very much under ready for that album um which we do have plans to actually re-record quite a few of the things that we've done before um with the new stuff we've got, like Dean Street and all <laughs> people behind us, <laughs> in, in so how we hoped they'd be sort of envisioned in the long run. So yeah, um, yeah, it was kind of just it was it was very it was definitely under ready, um, and you know a lot of it. I'm I was always very new to the whole thing of writing, recording. So we learned so much just by recording that album and getting it out there and it sort of gave us what we needed to figure out what the next well the first proper step would be I suppose I mean I like it as an album I think it's got a lovely sound to it 
And uh, until you said it was unprepared, I wouldn't have known that. I think <laughs> okay, no, there's, there's some songs that were very, very unprepared. I think one of them I finished in the studio. <laughs> yeah, really? So, yeah. But it, it's just nice to hear like that sort of old style done, like, as in recorded in a fresh sound as well. That's yeah. really, really nice as well. So you've got sort of more tones on the bass where, you know, the bass back in the 50s would just cut out and you wouldn't get a lot of it, only the high end. So it's nice that the, the double bass was treated as a serious instrument in the album. Yeah, that's that was... Fantastic! It's it's um again we've had with the new recording we've got coming out. It sounds amazing. Johnny's done such a great job of um the bass. So yeah, that's it's always lovely to hear it recorded well. So the album comes out and uh, you were gigging the album quite a bit. Um, the gig scene back then was it bigger than it is now? Um, I mean that was only in twenty twenty. So it's no because it was after COVID. It was horrific. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, before COVID, it was um, definitely thriving um, as it was. Um, but so it depends which things. We we span a few scenes um, with the band. So the rock and roll rockabilly scene has definitely, um, it's, it's struggling. I mean, so the 80s was sort of its peak and it's, um, we've heard from a lot of people, it's just not what it used to be. Um, but there's this, sort of new upcoming vintage scene which they don't seem to care what era anything comes from people just like getting dressed up in old clothes um and that that works for us in a lot of ways um but then we sort of we sort of cross the a few different like we're quite commercial because obviously it's we've got some um we've got a lot of americana influences like there's modern country influences there's just modern rock influences um so yeah and and that scene the original music scene i feel is doing really well at the moment there's a lot of support for new upcoming bands there's festivals like chicken stock um who book only originals bands which i think is fantastic so they don't have any like um tributes or any cover bands it's all for original music all the way up to i think they had 10 cc last year and uh so they've got some great bands but then they bring in local bands who write their own music and it's such a great festival that's really cool mm. um so you've had a few drummers here and there and then your recent addition is jacks on the drums yeah um, how did Jax get involved? So Jax was, um, I think, almost bullied into coming to audition for us. Um, so um, I think it was one of, I can't remember who it was, but one of the people who know us, one of our friends, um, also knows Jax. And when we were looking for a drummer, they were going, Jax, you have to do this. And she's going, no, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And she and was like, go on, you've got to do this. So eventually she decided to actually turn up at the audition and we were just instantly blown away. So she showed up. She, she, she didn't. She doesn't know. Didn't know the style of music, um, at all. Which we had a hilarious moment the other week where I kept saying to her, "You will fall in love with this style. You will fall in love with the genre." And she's going, "No, it's not my thing. It's just not something I'm ever going to do." And we went to Twinwood Festival, and she was a little bit tipsy. And my friend Aaron was teaching her how to dance and all this kind of stuff. And she just comes sprinting over to Aaron, my other half, and goes, "Oh my god, I get it!" And then just ran off. So <laughs> <laughs> finally, she gets the thought. Um, but she she'd never really um, heard much of it, but she she was amazing even on the first try. Um, and we also got to sing the most difficult harmony song we have, which is awful to to learn. And she nailed that. And then she even went one step further and had written harmonies to one of the songs that I wrote that hadn't got any harmonies, but I'd always wanted to put in. Um, and it was fantastic. And we've got the harmonies in now. So she That's just brilliant. Yeah, she just nailed it. 
It sounds like um, the Blues Brothers. Elwood, it's the band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best part was in the audition, we actually had Jimmy from um, Matchbox. I don't know if you remember Matchbox from the 80s. I do, yeah. So Jimmy's their drummer, always has been, top of the pops, all that kind of stuff. So Jimmy was in the room because he was doing a, a gig with us. Um, so he was doing a rehearsal with Jimmy and he'd heard her play and he just turned around to us and he was like, you need her. You grab her now. And I was like, well, that's that's um <laughs> That's the plan. And Jimmy's a big fan of Jax. He thinks she's great. So he's so that guy. Jax's style before that, did, what sort of bands was she in? Was it rock bands? Was it pop bands? All sorts of stuff. Um she depped quite often with um, Brad Pittance and the Pirates, which is sort of ska and reggae. Um she's done a lot of pop stuff. She she country is her thing. She loves country. She's an absolute country nut. Um down to the whole little, you know, she's got the cowgirl hat and the little <laughs> you know, she'll sometimes see that that come into her styling in bamboozle gigs as well. She'll occasionally have a little bit of a country influence in what she's wearing. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was that was what she's really come from. Wow! So she had to learn a completely new style almost to play. Yeah, yeah. completely. That's... The um, the rockabilly was just she was just I just don't get it. <laughs> get it? It's so weird. Um, but yeah, she's in love with it now, which is great. And do you still enjoy touring and being in a van and the travel and all that sort of stuff? I was going to say yes until you said being in a van. Um, <laughs> yes, except for being in the van. It's We were actually looking into getting new seats for it because it's all comfortable. Um, we did our yearly trip to Denmark, which we drive the whole thing to the northernmost point of Denmark um, wow. <laughs> over about a week. And it's a long journey. It's a lot of time in the van. And by the end of it, we're all going, I've just had enough. <laughs> but but the touring aspect's great um it's so much fun we just meet the most amazing people we've always got we've got so many ridiculous stories that come from every every single thing we seem to have another stupid story of what's happened um so yeah some that are worth sharing and some we probably shouldn't <laughs> i think it's best for bands to tour I, i'm a, I'm a whole i'm an old school person like that. i think every band should tour in a van that's bit knackered then get a slightly better one <laughs> i think it's the only way bands really grow and like survive i really do yeah. i think it's the way forward yeah it's great fun it's great fun and it's just the stories you get as well like there's so many stories we could t- like we were we, when i played in a band we went to um we went we weren't, weren't even that far but i think we was gonna have a drink so one of us had to sleep in the van overnight so the stuff would get stolen you have a big row outside because there's a like one hotel room with a bar for the shower and then- <laughs> oh my god it's always the accommodation isn't it we um yeah. We stayed recently in a, I think it was a hostel in Belgium, and they had they had emus outside, which was very random, <laughs> uh, which we named. And then we was like all of us, there was like six of us because we've got Aaron always comes on tour and does our merch, and then James often comes along and uh, helps to drive. And we'd stay in the hostel. It was literally bunk beds. <laughs> it looked like a prison. <laughs> we were just like, I don't like what is this? And like the mattresses were plastic and everything. It was just like, what is going on? <laughs> Was, but what a story but what a story exactly that wonderful <laughs> <laughs> so let's um if we can talk about your new album um that's going to be coming out um you recorded it in dean street as you were saying um is it a mix of styles is it more of the same is it a little bit different so so it's just an ep so we've got um four tracks two of them we've released before um but they are significantly upgraded um one of them's rocking man from the old album um but i always had a vision for it that we couldn't achieve in the other the other studio and it is now it's just so perfect it's amazing um and then we've done ice cold beer again um mostly for the quality because it'd be really great for a sync tune and we're just hoping heineken goes oh yeah that's the one let's have that (laughs) um (laughs) you know um but yeah so the other two are brand new tunes um one is 
quite rocky. It's a bit sort of Paramore style. Um, and the other one is um, a little it's a little cover that we've done our own way, so it's quite interesting. And then on the B side, we've got four live tracks from uh, The Lighthouse in Deal, um, which are more true to our sort of old style. So it's kind of for a lot of the older fans that will really appreciate um, sort of like the old. I th- do you know, I think one's a, is it one a Louis Prima or a Louis Jordan? I can't remember. It might be a Louis Jordan. It would have been Ghost Louis Prima. <laughs> <laughs> What's really interesting on your website as well, which is lovely for young musicians that sort of, listen to a music, see you live, I want to learn the bass. You actually give lessons, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel for double bass lessons. Um, and I, I, I started it for two reasons, really. Um, one, because teaching is the best way for you to improve yourself. It makes you break down your own technique and make it better. Mm. Um, and two, because when I started learning the double bass, there was nothing. There was nothing out there. Um, I was really fortunate to have a couple of wonderful people like Steve Whitehouse show me some of the basics and some really cool tricks and how to improve on my technique. Um, but other than that, there's just nothing to learn to bass. I was like, it's such a cool instrument. It's such a cool way to play it. I mean, there was, there was, um, I learned a lot of mine off Jeff Chalmers' channel, um, Discover Double Bass, because he does beautiful bowing and the, the jazz style. There's no slap bass. And I was just like, this needs to be rectified. People need to learn this cool instrument. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one of the things that I really wanted to, to sort of bring to the, people and get more people and more girls as well girls into yeah definitely like we was talking before we came online and we're saying that you know there's not enough female drummers there's not enough female double bass players and there's probably people out there that just don't know how to start yes very much so very much so we've had i think i've had a good 15 to 20 people message just to say they learned because of me from my channels um one girl actually we've just had an amazing one so there's a girl in montenegro um and i started following her because i was like Oh, she looks quite cool. She's doing the rockabilly thing. She's playing double bass. And then her story popped up and she was playing my song. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, this is crazy. This, What's going on? So I messaged her and I was like, this is really cool. I was like, you know, do you mind if we share it? That's really fun that you're doing my song. Um, and she was like, yeah, no, she was like, I learned to play bass from your channel and I just love what you're doing. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's so random. <laughs> so she's got her own little band doing the, the double bass and singing. It's really cool. That, I mean, that must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun to see. It was just like that. It's so lovely that it's getting out there to so many people and inspiring them to take up the door bass. That's brilliant. So, what's next for Bamboozle? You got the EP coming out, and then is it just more touring till Christmas? Or um, so we've got EP. We've got a lot coming out. Actually, we've got a huge rebrand. Um, so when we worked with Dean Street, we were also lucky enough to work with a company called Engage Convert, and they've designed us new logo new website new socials everything it's incredible so we've got this whole new website that's coming out very soon brand new logo um a whole new range of merchandise will be coming in the next few months um new ep we've got a music video in the planning new photo shoot because obviously we haven't got much with jacks in there yet so that's um that's the next big step to to get those out there uh, see there's just tons coming in the next few months it's, it's, the workload is ridiculous but it's going to be worth it you just said all that with a smile on your face, though. So um, if the if people want to find out more about you and the band and the lessons, where's the best place to go for that? Uh, so our website, which will be soon brand new, um, but still at bamboozlehq.co.uk or all our socials on YouTube and on Facebook and everything. You find us under bamboozlehq. Everything is, the YouTube is, and the lessons are just on our Bamboozle YouTube channel as well. But and that's there's good, hopefully I'm going to have a website for the lessons with a bit more content and cool stuff. 
That's fantastic. I'll put some links in the description for all those things so people can find it easy. Um, Serena, thanks for chatting today. It's been amazing. Yeah, I have. It's been great to chat to you again, Rob. It's been a long time. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free lifestyle to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.